her father says, I made an agreement, and that's what this is about. And she says, is that agreement more important than I am? And it's like the ages of, of humanity all sort of slammed at once through the door of this young woman's voice. And they would be happier together because they let one another live freely. My name is Carrie, and this is From the Hip. Today, I'm going to be talking unprepared about the movie Fiddler on the Roof. I have been listening to some sort of music, you might call it, by the artist known as Pogo on YouTube, and if you've been listening to my previous episodes, I've used uh, one of his tracks as intro music and and uh, outro music, and a, a different one of his tracks, which I'm going to have included here, is based off of Fiddler on the Roof, and once, it was, first of all, it's very catchy, um, and some of the segments of it are especially catchy, uh, given that uh, especially given that one of the songs from the movie Fiddler on the Roof about if I were a rich man uh, is a rather, uh, or was for that matter, a rather catchy song across time. Fiddler on the Roof was a Broadway play, and so, um, and, and then this, in the movie scene, Tevia, the, the farmer who is singing about if I were a rich man, he has this very uh, expressive dance to go along with it, and it's very well done. But I had not seen the movie since I was a child too young to pay attention to about a three-hour movie, and so I didn't really know what it was about, and I liked this music by Pogo so much that I decided I would watch Filler on the Roof, and I was very glad that I did because it ended up being one of my favorite movies. I don't know, top 10, probably probably top 10 favorite movies instantly. I really enjoyed the lead actor. Uh, I'm going to have to go click here. Uh, his last name only, Topol. Uh, t- he plays Tevia, a poor dairy farmer in, in um, pre-revolutionary Russia, and he's a Jewish peasant, not a rich man. And so what I'm going to talk about is it's a little bit of the story. And so yes, there will be spoilers here. And I think even with what I'm going to say, yeah, I don't know. If you really are interested in the movie, which I think you should be, and you haven't seen it before, then then maybe watch the movie or listening to me. So the very opening lines of the movie, we, we get a explanation of the the title, Fiddler on the Roof, from Tevia speaking to the camera, explaining that he and, and other Jewish peasants living out in Russia just are kind of like fiddlers on the roof. It, they're in a precarious position. You know, it's it's as in, if you were to go stand on the roof and, and try to play a fiddle or a violin aggressively, you, you have to exercise quite a lot of control over your body in order to balance and not fall off the roof and play a good tune at the same time. And, and Tevia says that that's kind of the position that he and, and his... Uh, um, his his fellow people are in, and that they accomplish it, that they accomplish the balance and stay on the roof, play the tune, 
by way of tradition. It's it's the Jewish re- religious and, and otherwise cultural customs that keep them going, keep them strong, keep them balancing on the roof. And so we get we get you know a long introductory song to do with tradition and, and how all that is comprised. We get we get an idea of that to start the film. And and then immediately with the, the the film um, starts to play out some of that traditional idea and and it really hinges on Tevia's own um, conflict with tradition. So he you know we we open the movie with the the main carrier character Tevia saying we're like fiddlers on a roof we're we're in a tough spot but we have we have the ability to to play because of our tradition and and he pretty much spends the rest of the movie kind of being at odds with uh, various facets of the tradition that he for one reason or another has to call into question whether he should adhere to them and and this is mostly to do with the matter of his three marriageable aged daughters he has five daughters but three of them are of age to be married and the custom at this point in time is that the father the head of the household chooses um to you know, makes an agreement with the would-be husband of of daughters, and so pretty soon uh, into the movie, we we find that there's a certain man in town who has his eye on Tevia's oldest daughter, Seidel, and and at the same time, we know that Seidel is. Um, in love with a another man, um, a much younger man than the one she is um, about to be betrothed to, and so um, this man, this butcher named Laser Wolf, puts puts the word out to the matchmaker that that he would like to marry her, marry Seidel, and and the younger man involved, Mottle, does not make a move in order to intercede and ask for Seidel's hand from Tevia first. And so instead, Tevia and Laser Wolf meet, and Laser asks for um, Seidel's hand in marriage from Tevia. And so Tevia, the father, and Seidel, the butcher, the would-be husband, come to an agreement. And this is you know, not so long ago, how this would be done, um, and and some circumstances, you know, the father would pay a dowry, right? I I think that under these circumstances, that's not a not a question. I don't know. I don't know about in the Jewish culture. It's not f- familiar to me, but uh, in this case, uh, the butcher is kind of doing Tevia a favor by taking uh, his daughter out of the house. And so there's probably no dowry involved. But uh, Tevia comes home and in the morning he announces that Seidel is to be married to Laser Wolf. And this doesn't really go over very well. Seidel doesn't want to be married to Laser Wolf. He is much, much older uh, and a widower. You know, so so he's he has a gray beard and Seidel is possibly 18, maybe 20. And so she's, you can imagine that she finds this a sort of um, death sentence, you know, a living death sentence under which she would be, you know, a good chance that she wouldn't have children or or that she wouldn't have many 
you know, the possibility of having many children or some other set of circumstances. Or she, mostly that she's she's not going to be with someone that she admires. And also she will not be with the person she does admire, which is the young man named Mottle. And so um, I really... I really got into this movie at at the point that she stands up, she speaks for herself. I mean, she's she's really crying. She's gonna be married. Um, I don't think there's any way around it. She's gonna be married to Laser Wolf at this juncture that her father's informing her so, and and she's objecting. And Tevia, her father, says, I made an agreement. And that's, that's what this is about. And she says, is that agreement more important than I am? I don't... It's like... It's like the ages of, of humanity all sort of slammed at once through the door of this young woman's voice. Uh, you know, millennia, possibly, uh, at this point, had, had been organized. The society had been more or less organized according to um, structures that took the individual will, uh, pushed it aside. And and of course this movie is was um, produced in 1971. And so it's kind of well after the era that it's supposed to be representing, and and it's it's hard to tell what what it might have actually. I don't know what might have actually been happening in in nineteen hundred in in Russia on this cultural front, but I think that we can surmise that some of you know some of this was going on at least you know in the in the more Western world was this idea. Uh, ideas were emerging of individualism pertaining to women's ability to pursue their lives as they as they choose, and I think I mean, so. For me, that the line delivered, you know, is your you know, is your agreement more important than I am? Is your word and and this custom, this this tradition, is it more important than I am? Uh, to me, that that sentence just rings out and and hopefully would reverberate in the ears of everyone and because i think that we have a number of circumstances that we can look at a number of instances that we can ask that question is is your protocol more important than i am is your um, is the supposed protection of humanity from a virus that's never been purified is that more important than i am and i you know i i, I don't mean to put those words in reference to myself um, necessarily. I mean, I mean to put those words in in other people's mouths potentially, 
I think you, I think that if you're listening, I hope you'll try those words on. You know, should does does the does an unverified clump of RNA justify the shutting down of some enormous percentage of small businesses around the world? Is it more important than you are? I uh, didn't know that I was going to go there when I started recording, but such is such is the way this goes from the hip. And by the point that Seidel says this, Tevia is very irritated, and I, d- I don't think that it lands quite as well as it lands on me, but it, it does seem to reach him. And um, within the hour, Mottle, the young man, the you know her real suitor, shows up and asks for... Seidel's hand. He knows all about Laser Wolf. He knows that there's some controversy. She, he knows that, you know, Seidel is trying to refuse. And it's a very, it's a, it's a good scene by itself. But Tevia, you know, he, he again has an aside with the camera. And while he thinks out the matter of giving Seidel to model instead of Laser Wolf, as he's already promised. And to me, the, this aside is not spoken out in in words that that clearly demonstrate like a, a, a rationale for for changing his mind other than the fact that I think he, he he's kind of glossing over the fact that his daughter will, will not be unhappy he knows that model is more or less penniless and that that's not how it's supposed to be done and he knows that he'll be going back on his word and then against tradition to some degree but mostly going back on his word which would put shame on him in the community potentially and that's exactly what he does though he goes back on his word and gives Seidel to model as it were and I that is you know now that's a great way of looking at it is 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 your word is is your tradition and and your shame um, and your concern about wealth more important than I am his daughter you know it's just it's delivered so well as well it's and it's it's one heck of a line. Um, so simple. Are all the things that you've built your life around really more important than I am? The child begs of the parent because she has her own life. No matter what plans or ideas or wishes her father has ever had for himself or for her, her life is her own, is it not? This has always uh, been the case in it in for you know, a few hundred years now where you yeah, roughly. Civilization has really struggled with answering it. I, I think that's worth considering. Just that alone, that, that most of the um, the matters of philosophy and economics that address the question of whose life is whose and, and how can it be can it be operated on? You know, how how can it be in function? All of those questions, most many of those questions anyway, have been uh, asked and addressed over the last 400 or so years, and the arguments are not over, and we've when we've had not just uh, academic arguments about them, we've had uh, practical attempts at answering them. Some have gone well, and some have gone very, very badly. And I think that the, the the fiddler on the roof just in the in the first 20 minutes or so, maybe longer, but but definitely by the time that that model comes with his proposal asking for Seidel's hand, by that point the the movie offers quite a bit to for humanity's consideration of of individual sovereignty or not. You see, 
that it was looking towards Tevia saying no to model. In fact, he'd already said no, I think. And and there was a bit of an argument coming on. And model said, I deserve a little bit of happiness. You know, don't I? Don't I deserve? Doesn't everyone deserve a little bit of happiness? And and that's really when the uh, the tide begins to turn in Tevia's mind uh, and really consider the question of going back on his word and giving Seidel to model uh, that is agreeing to let them marry and so there we are she says is your word is your custom is your tradition is your shame more important than i am and model says also don't we deserve happiness isn't it our right is essentially what he's asking and i think that there has been plenty of plays for that i think there's been plenty of uh expression as happy for happiness as right we have it written in one of our major documents that uh, we have the right to the pursuit of happiness and there's there's plenty of renditions on that right for the last 200 some years in this in the united states and elsewhere but uh, I think that it has mostly not been explored in a principled manner that would that that really stands up for itself consistently. I, I, um, so I'm going to move on to one of the next you know major events in the movie, which is that then Tevia's second daughter Hodel is is also of age to be married, and she uh, seems to f- fall in love with a young man named Perchik who's from out of town, but nevertheless, uh, he, he's, a, he's a radical. He's a revolutionary. And they uh, decide that they want to be wed and very much by chance run into Tevia on the road and announce that they're, to, they're going to marry. And, but they, they're not asking Tevia's permission, but they would like his blessing. And Tevia throws his hands up in the air you know, including, you know, including he's, he's like crying to the sky, tradition, you know, tradition must be upheld. And no, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not just letting you have what you want just because your older sister Seidel, you know, got, got the better, um, of my decision. And, you know, this is, this is not allowed. It's not, this is, I'm not going to accept it. It's not really possible. Yada, yada. Well, the short end of it is that, he says, okay, you have my blessing because they don't, they're not really listening to him. And, you know, it's more or less within his power to reject what they're saying. And um, I, I don't know, I suppose that it would be within his power to uh, go to the rabbi and, and say they don't have permission to marry. And the rabbi would honor his statement. I, I don't know. But the, the, point is that what has transpired between Model and Seidel and and further what has transpired in the meantime, which was that there were some other customs broken, is that that uh, along this way, uh, as as Tevia has longed to be a rich man and 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 upheld tradition as of the utmost importance in order to survive he has eschewed tradition on multiple counts and he has uh, more yeah more or less eschewed uh, common ideas about um, related things and he's kind of lessened his quest lessened his um, desire to be 
a rich man. I, I think it's it's takes on less a prominent a role. And and so again, he does. He says, all right, you have my blessing, basically. I, and he moves on. Again, he eschews the tradition and uh, gives his daughter to another penniless man who's a drifter and does so in an embrace of her happiness. So again, bigger spoilers here in case it matters to you. Perchik, his second daughter's eventual husband, or actually just fiance, because I don't think they get married. They don't get married. He goes off to Kiev and gets arrested and is sent to the gulag and <clears throat> she won't give him up. She admires him, and and uh, when he's imprisoned, she goes off to live near him in prison and, and work for a living. And she does this without Perchik's asking. And uh, she, you know, it, it's a musical. So she stands up and she sings a song about this and which honors her love for this man and and for what they you know what he stands for even if it's not exactly that he stands i think more more than anything and her father tevia sits back and and observes this passion this love in his daughter and he has absolutely nothing to to say against you know, I don't think that's part of the scene, and but but my observation of the scene is is admiration in the father's eyes for his daughter's courage and and fascination with her dedication to her fiance. Finally, the third daughter of the five has has fallen in love with a Catholic or, or an Orthodox Christian. I'm not, I'm not particularly certain. I, it's probably Orthodox Christian. And which was a major taboo, the idea of, of marrying someone outside of the Jewish faith was off limits. And and this time, this time Tevia clings to to tradition. It's it's a bridge too far. He will not allow her to be married. And uh, when she goes ahead and gets married anyway, uh, Tevia basically does what one is expected to do within the Jewish culture and says that his daughter is dead and and treats her as such. And it's it's uh, it's a very anguished moment. So she she had said she wanted to be married to this non-Jewish man, and he said no. And then she went and got married anyway. And then she tried to track him down afterward. And and so uh, I think that he I think it's quite possible that he felt more betrayed than anything. This is this is uh, maybe loose speculation here, but given that he had previously twice gone sharply against this tradition that he thought was so important. He got gone against his word once. Uh, I guess it wasn't entirely all against tradition, but you, I think you see what I mean. I think the, the fact that that uh, his daughter went, to get, went and did get married without even, uh, without his word final on it. You know, in the previous two cases, he, he did give permission or, or he did give his blessing. And even though he had said no to his third daughter, Hava, once, uh, you know, he didn't get to change his mind. She didn't persist. Her her lover didn't come to him and and give an impassioned speech um, and ask for his daughter's hand or anything. And so I I just totally enjoyed the the matter of of, of observing 
this main character, Tevia, who, who, who he voices the theme right there at the beginning of the movie uh, brilliantly. And he says, we're, we're out here. We're like fiddlers on the roof. It's precarious, but we have our tradition to get us through. And our tradition lets us know exactly, you know, each and every man and woman knows exactly who he is and what he's doing. And, and then the rest of the movie, tradition is challenged and and at the end of the movie the entire village uh or all the jews of the village are made to leave place and uh so i guess you know there's there's something to be said about that is that in in um the same sort of timeline that these events i've described have transpired there's also been a parallel timeline of a threat of of anti-jewish um movement and and finally once he's he's gone against tradition or his family altogether has gone against tradition three times there is no more fiddling on this roof that is their their village called Anatevka. they're all made to leave and so uh that's an interesting thing to consider it's only come to mind just now is that the the fiddling stops when tradition stops so as i watched this movie i i kept thinking about one how appropriate this this story was to be told uh because because more more happened as port as important as it was for women to gain their sovereignty in in the so many ways that they have over the last century and beyond but a lot in the last century there have been so many other things uh, that have transpired that have been a part of a of, of a larger struggle that I think is encapsulated and described in in this film and you know which is tradition versus individualism in some sense it's there's definitely uh, because or you might just say collectivism versus individualism and the the essence of of either way you look at it is that to a great extent collectivism has been uh, withheld or pardon me upheld it, it it's been codified by tradition the you know the purpose of traditions has been to to orient people toward the collective orient behaviors and um, overall being toward collectivism and I think that that what filter on the roof puts on display is that there are significant faults with organizing people in that fashion and that there isn't any point you know when when model says doesn't everyone deserve happiness I yes I should have looked up that line it just so happens that my keyboard has quit this afternoon so I don't have a way of looking up the quote but you know when when Tevia says doesn't everyone deserve some happiness uh, and and uh, his bride says you know is is your tradition I mean this is me paraphrasing but is your tradition more important than I am they're really taking big stabs at at the way that uh, major cultures major religions etc have formed up over the centuries and the you know their question is well are we really have we you know have we really done this right uh, there are there are many calls for collectivism of of different uh, different types uh, every everyone with with that persuasion has a different idea I, th- I suppose there's so there are many different shades of of proposed collectivist forms of organizing amongst humans but i think um it's it's very difficult 
to walk these lines and what ultimately uh, the lines that should not be crossed are, are forcing people to to do one thing or another. And, uh, you know, that's that's an option that was on display there, is that um, within within Tevye's um, purview was to, to tell his third daughter, Hava, that she couldn't get married to a Gentile, uh, or that she, you know, or to tell her she would be married to this other Jewish man. That, that part didn't actually come up in the movie, but hypothetically speaking, that would be the case. And, you know, the alternative, apparently, was that she could just leave the community. And this must always be the case. Uh, what what the 20th century got horribly wrong was that in, in every case that people didn't really want to be a part of, of of the the collectivist tradition or or collectivist experiment that was being brought up they weren't given a choice but i imagine that as we stand in the 21st century now the many observers of our current state probably question probably assume that the deterioration of the cloth of society is in large part due to the expansion of individualist thought. And uh, on the one hand, I would I would consider that uh, a misnomer for what most of what is actually going on is not really individualism, and that that's its own that's it deserves its own episode. But but let's just say generally, it the um, the individual will and and right to individual pursuit of values is upheld by western civilization uh broadly now <clears throat> the legal structure that i've alluded to earlier with the discussion of shutting down the world over a over a supposed virus that's never been purified you know that that is definitely contrary to the individualist ethics and the individualist structure. It's a generally upheld idea. It's a legally negated idea increasingly. And and both of those count. And I'm I'm just thinking out loud and, and, and calling to mind some of the content, some of the ideas that this movie brings to mind. And so the question that one question that arises in my mind is, are we fiddling on the roof right now? Are we, are we in a precarious position? And is it all the more precarious because we are detached from the traditions which have made it possible? Or is it because we don't have the traditions that would carry us forward? I think that my answer is going to tend toward the latter of those options, which is that we've always needed a, an ethics of individual rights. We've, we've always needed individualism that is paired with an understanding of the necessity of community. Uh, but we have failed so far in several attempts to subordinate um, either to each other. It's either, um, you know, communism, which really relies on a, a philosophical uh, elimination of the individual uh, as it's been carried out, that is, uh, communism as it's been carried out. I, I, I understand that Marx did have a, a different 
idea than the Soviets really carried out or, or whomever. But the uh, but philosophically, you know, his ideas trace back to others who um, you know put put the individual almost erase the the individual. Uh, look at individuals more like a product of the uh, the community and i think that on the other end of that we our our popular notions of individualism do very little to uh, rationally orderly formulate how to develop a community and prize it and and structure the common ideas in that community uh, such that they continually respect the autonomy of all of its members and uh it's kind of surprising that we're not more interested in that and that most of our appeals go um far to the left of there uh, i would say that most most uh, ideas suggestions about how we should move forward from where we are have to do with less individual autonomy, much, much less, especially the institutional ideas that have been brought forth. So I'll I'll look for an ending point here by saying that this movie uh, early on begins with Tevia's wish to be a wealthy man and, and what he would do if he were a rich man. And some say that what he figured out was that he was a he was a really wealthy man all along, so long as he had his family and and friends. I vary a little bit from that assessment, and I think that the real richness, the real wealth of Tevia's life as he uh, lived it, had come from his letting go of of tradition letting go of this force that he thought was holding him to the roof think that put it a different way the the he became a wealthy man when he embraced his daughter's uh Quests for happiness, quests for for their own pursuit of meaning, and in the end, we see that he excommunicated his third daughter. Probably, this is my assessment. Probably out of out of a final sense of duty, and and possibly out of betrayal. But ultimately, he cannot. Uh, you know, he doesn't fully internalize that decision, and uh, because as she is walking away from him for the final time, he kind of says under his breath, may God be with you. Finally, it didn't matter that he and his family were going to be forcibly moved from their homes because their home didn't really matter, and so... I think the so all along this force that he thought um, was so important uh, to keeping he and his community in the place that they were. Uh, I don't know if he addressed together, you know, keeping families and so on and so forth together. Uh, that it didn't matter. That that, that tradition, that uh, that holding force, that balance on the roof didn't really matter because, uh, well. But actually, we know is that this was always going to happen. They were always going to be expelled from their home, and and tradition uh, was not going to have any role in keeping them there, uh, so far as we can tell. And I didn't mean to suggest that because Tevia it was excusing tradition that that's the reason uh, somehow intrinsically that that the the Jews are expelled their village. But just that it's interesting how those things 
um, occur in tandem, in parallel, and, and sometimes in art that, that those sorts of things are suggested, hinted at. But with or without that tradition, they were going to be expelled and 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 but with the tradition or what remained of it what they they decided to keep they would move on elsewhere in new york or chicago or or what have you and they would be happier because of the parts that they excluded and and they would be happier together because they let one another live freely that way. a question that would tend to arise would be well how freely and, and at what point does freely begin to be an unraveling of the traditions, the institutions, the culture that would uh, propel us forward? And that's a valid concern. And obviously, the elements that would that would contribute to degradation are, are elements that, that we want to avoid and that the, that the culture should make its uh, job to, you know, or, you know, part of its mission, part of its um, distillation to be to to avoid those things. And and yet that was always the that was always a mission. Um, that's that's how we came to the point where it was considered a, a probably a great problem for a, uh, a young couple to choose each other rather than for the father, you know, the, the fathers to choose or some such other arrangement. And the the task, though, the real task across time has always been to modify and to realize who we are as humans and what our real needs are. And, and I think that one of the challenging things about that is that our needs have changed. We are a very different being than the brief philosophical tribes, even even the ones that exist today, uh, we we you know we can't put the the philosophy back in the can. We can't put our awareness of what we are and what we're capable of back into the box and and become that that pre philosophical tribe again. And um, I'm sure that sounds far far off from what I've been talking about, but it. It it um, it's it's popping up because it's a, a related train of thought that I've been having. But the the culture is to, to borrow from Jordan Peterson is always in need of of transformation. Always the individuals within it must be transforming in order to to grow and transform a society. And the traditions of the aged archaic and and sometimes willfully blind must be uh, embodied and, and remade by the new generation always must be and that's again that's me channeling Peterson and I think that fiddler on the roof gives us something to really ponder uh, so that is what I have for this episode I thank you for your time and your attention and in your consideration hopefully I have if nothing else prompted you to watch a very good movie that will still still stand nicely even after the spoilers. Okay.